On this episode of the Faded Golf Podcast, John and I interview Autumn Strong, the Assistant Executive Director of Indiana Golf. We talk about the first tee, we talk about her background in golf, and we talk about uh, really growing the game. So uh, we look forward to it. I've got this one about two balls out to the right. I'm telling you, man, it's a speed putt. All right, real quick, before we get into the episode, I want to give a shout-out to the group powering the Faded Golf Podcast, Fanatics, where you can get your officially licensed everything. John, um, of course, the PGA coming up. Have you seen the shirts with the... This is a uh, for the Beth for Beth Page Black with the sign that they have on them. I haven't, but I got excited about it in our last promo we did for Fanatics, so I'm going to buy one, and you can pick it tonight. Let's buy one. Well, well actually, let's buy one for each. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna buy one tonight. Of course, we're gonna use our promo code Faded Golf. Get 25 percent discount. So you can go to PGA.com. Go to their shop. Get 25 percent off using Faded Golf promo code. You can get your Beth Page Black gear. I think you can even get Ryder Cup gear for like next year. So um, anyway, on PGA, Boom. you can of course go to Fanatics, get your NFL, get your NHL, get whatever playoff team, NBA, whatever MLB stuff that you can. Fanatics.com. Thanks, Fanatics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode twenty-seven of the Faded Golf Podcast. My name is Mark Julien. We are here. Of course, with John Falkenberg hanging out. John, how are you today? Great. What's up? Uh, fantastic. Happy Cinco de Mayo day after. Day after. Uh, yeah. Um, but what's ex- really exciting is that we, we say have day after in Spanish. Day after. I don't. I can't. I, do you speak sp- Spanish, Autumn? I, I do not. You do I not. High school, and it's. I I can't really remember a thing. Yeah. I can count a little bit. I, w- I uh, went to Mexico uh, a couple months ago and tried to like brush up on my Spanish and it didn't really help out. But uh, as so as the, our guest can hear, we have a guest today, Autumn Strong with Indiana Golf. Welcome to the show, Autumn. Thank you for having me. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, she's joining us via Skype, so um, we're we're hoping this is recording well. Um, but Autumn, just a quick introduction. Autumn is the Assistant Executive Director of Indiana Golf. She is a former um, college and high school golfer, played four years for Ball State University, won a high school state championship for Hamilton Southeastern in Fishers. She currently thinks she's somewhere between a five and six handicap. Member tees uh, or lady tees? I don't know. Yeah, That's oh, a yeah. mixed bag now. It, it, you know, I, I feel like the hybrid, the hybrid tees. You got like a hybrid tee? Okay. I the like green it. tees. I like it. <laughs> Um, and a couple little sidebars. Uh, she's married with two dogs, Blue and Harry. Uh, Harry is named after Harry Potter because she's apparently obsessed with Harry Potter, which is kind of cool. Um, and she's also obsessed with crime podcasts as well. So uh, thanks again for joining us, Autumn. Fun. Yes. I am excited to this should be, be on interesting. the podcast. <laughs> I heard a better dog name than that today. Blue or Harry? Harry. I like Harry. Harry's I've, I have Snowball. Yep. And then I heard another one. The manager of our golf team, dog sits for his neighbor, who he says is extremely wealthy, which he actually got paid quite a bit of money to watch a dog for a week, like 700 bucks for walk, a week. Like 100 bucks a day to watch like a dog? Like insane. No, it's two weeks. That's amazing. Waffles. The dog's name is Waffles? Waffles. 
14 year old dog named Waffles. Uh, that's interesting. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm on I'm it. So, but, uh, I I'm so. I'm so. I feel about it. That's good. That's good. Waffles. Okay. <laughs> All right. So obviously we 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 uh we digress a ton um here autumn where we start talking about you know dogs and waffles and uh, whatever else. Um, do you have a favorite breakfast food, Autumn? There you go. Random question there. Yeah, I love biscuits and gravy. Biscuits and gravy. See, that's hardcore. That's like Home that's good mid. Country. I'm gonna say that's good Midwestern, like you know Indiana uh, stuff. There. I What's like your it. favorite hometown restaurant? Hometown restaurant. Hometown restaurant. Not a lot here. It's usually chains here in Central Indiana. So, like a local joint? Or are you talking like home cooking restaurant? No, no. You're. It can be a local joint. Okay. I so Thai Sushi House in Fishers. Yeah. My husband and I go once a week, and if we don't, they're concerned on what happened to us. We are regulars. We order the same thing every time. Nice. We've been doing it for about three years now. So okay. I have to say Thai Sushi. House. What's your order? Yeah. I is- get the chicken red curry. Um, and he gets the pad key out. And if we're feeling really crazy, we get uh, a piece of s- some sushi on the side. I like it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Big fan. It's kind of like when I go to Italian house and uh, Brent is <laughs> making sure my order's right there. So the guy that <laughs> doesn't know your name, even though you know, no, no, that's name. Jim, the owner. I, I, I see him not as frequently. No, the bartender Brent. He, oh yeah. I know. He, he was on the way yeah. out the door. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so John and I just went to the Italian house, what, last Saturday with our yeah. wives. So that was fun. It's great. Um, well, our I, wives went too. Yeah, they went to us. It wasn't just John <laughs> and I. However, our wives would, would, wouldn't doubt that he and I would probably just go to Italian house without them. <laughs> Good. Just keep talking golf, maybe record a podcast while we're sitting there eating Italian food. <laughs> um, well, hey, again, uh, I was kind of telling you our format. We do like to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, the state of kind of professional golf or golf news. Uh, I think moving to the PGA coming up here in May has is, is kind of been a, an interesting thing about um, players maybe uh, excited that it's this time of year versus uh, who's kind of hot going into it. We've had a great string of players that have got their first wins this year, um, which is awesome. And we're talking about the men's PGA Tour. Um, do you follow women's golf at all? I a little a little bit um I have a I play a role with the Iowit LPGA at the Brickyard in September so I mean that's gotten me into it a little bit the past couple years but honestly I probably follow um the men's more so don't judge me for that I'm an advocate no I'm not judging (laughs) no why is that but yeah I probably do watch the men's I don't you know just when you're watching with your husband I we just kind of both relate a little bit more so um, to that. Yeah. But, yeah, but we, we like watching it's, it. It's also, I would say, the viewing times as well. I mean, LPGA, it's not as easy to watch. Yeah. It just isn't. No. And just that something about a Sunday watching the closing of a tournament, we both, yeah, we just enjoy it. Well, as as do John and I, uh, we try not to focus too much on pro golf here, though, because you can go listen to No Laying Up or go watch the Golf Channel. But we do like <laughs> to touch on it um, because we think the players are interesting. Um, you know, we love it. Um, we, we do love it. And we love the players, but we just we're not we're not your we're not experts. We're just 
Yeah, we're not, we're not here going to be throwing a bunch of stats. I think we just find some of the players interesting. Like, we've talked a ton about Bryson DeChambeau um, yeah. over the last uh, six months. I'm still um, a fan. I'm, I'm a fan. I think the guy I'm, is going to be. I'm, I'm a big fan of Bryson's. Did we ever figure out how many tournaments he won last year? Was it he, five? He won five, yeah. That's incredible. I know. Yeah, yeah. Was, he he's strong last year. He was hot for sure. No, I, I, I like his game. I do. Uh, and I'm, it inspires I'm, I, me to try and leave the pin in. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. So, uh, do you do you have you read a little bit about what pin he keeps in and which one he'll pull? No, I thought did he not? I thought he started out this year where he was trying to leave leave it all in. So the U.S. Open compared to most tournaments has uh, like an aluminum or a metal pin. Versus most tournaments have the fiberglass pin. His tests say that the metal pin he's oh. going to pull versus most tournaments the fiberglass pin. Interesting. I'm I'm of the opinion. I don't carry it away. It well, when we were so John and I were down in the Dominican Republic uh, with our families on spring break, and we played um, a Jack Nicholas course that had the metal the metal pins and. I banged one off of the, from probably about 12 feet. I, I was on the 18th hole for birdie from about 12 feet and I banged one off the pin and it didn't go in. And I'm, I am now anti any pin in from short distances. I, I have to take it out when I am probably, I would say like 10 feet and in, in like something about it. I just, and I think if it, if there's anything mental, it doesn't matter what the science is. You should probably Huh? Go along with the mental side, and, well, and you think so, you're gonna miss it. It's not good. <laughs> well, and Adam Scott, that's where he's feels like he's putting better because mentally he likes it in. He likes that he feels like he can hit it firmer, and that yeah. it might hit the pin and then go down. And so even like a long putt, it, he's not gonna miss it as bad. It's very mental for Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah but I think that can backfire too, because if you over like, because I was the approach, I'm gonna keep it in all the time. But then people were saying like. Well, I want it out, and then, like, then you have to go and walk back. I said, I just don't carry the way. Yeah. I really don't. You leave it in. Yeah. Leave it. Well, and, the idea was for speed of play, right? So that somebody doesn't have to go ten the pin, so that you could just tap one in without having to pull it out. If you, you know, whatever it is, and that it's not something which is fine. Maybe, maybe I'm not such a mental midget this year because I'm putting better. Shout out to even roll. My new putt. <laughs> yeah. So John, John switched to uh, even roll, um, little mallet putter this year, as well as he switched to a claw putting grip. Oh. And he has. I mean, I would say like I would a, go as far. It's a one eighty. I I would go as far as saying he's improved his putting one hundred percent. It is is like dress. he's making double the number of ten footers and in that he probably made before. You, you do have to just go with whatever works in that department for sure. <laughs> the claw, though, is that's I, I wish I would have found it earlier. It's so much easier to be consistent on. it. Yeah. Huge. I think I think, you know, guys that are great putters, like just naturally, you know, they may not you know, like Tiger. What He has the bobby lock grip, the traditional grip. He's just, you know, he's a great putter with it. I think guys that just kind of become or are average or below average putters, you need something that can keep you consistent, and it's the claw. I mean, Webb Simpson, 
I mean, how many Sergio Garcia? Ever, did Sergio uses, win the Masters with the claw? Cutter uses the claw. Yeah, that's pretty. Did much Sergio? Right. Did Sergio win the Masters with the claw? Yeah, absolutely. When did he switch? <laughs> the year? Yeah. Awesome. So, you go. Now uh, we just sold you on switching to the claw. This uh, time. Well, you, okay, what's your grip? So my, uh, just standard, like the the it was single interlock. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband actually switched to the claw last year, yep. and he was real high on it. Um, and then I don't know, I think, I don't know, I don't, if it was an in, one, you know, round or what, but all of a sudden I noticed him going back to normal this year. I'm really not sure, <laughs> sure what it was, but he was like sold on it for sure. I don't, I don't know what the turning point was to come back to the, a normal grip, but he, he was definitely trying to convince me last year about the claw. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm, we're John, I've been, I've been putting with the claw for almost 10 years now, so I'm. I'm long and also use like super stroke, big ass grips too. So I'm, I'm all gimmicky on this stuff. So, <laughs> so but that's me. So speaking of like some, uh, so we were talking about pin in things like that. Maybe this is like a good golf news thing that isn't necessarily pro golf, but what do you think about the rules changes this year? So I, I and mean, what does the golf is, you know, Indiana golf think about them. Yeah, so we obviously are, gosh, we feel busier than ever this year. Um, Our kind of role with it for Indiana was just education, make sure we educated um, our um, tournament players, our club professionals, our handicap members, um, doing seminars at tons of courses um, this spring. There's a couple people in our office, our executive director, Mike David, being one of them that it seems like they have just been traveling all around, um, trying to just educate the the casual golfer, the pro golfer, on these rules. And I'm I'm a big fan of, I mean, most of them really. I think um, definitely for the casual golfer, helping the pace of play. I mean, there's some that you know. I'm, I think one was um, you know playing. OB essentially like a lateral, which um, they kind of had some hiccups with that. And, and that just being like a local rule, I think you can implement at this point. Um, like Triangulate? Our tra- yeah, yeah, like our, our tournaments, we're not, we're not implementing that. But okay. um, still yeah, stroke like, and distance penalties yeah. or for lost balls and or. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of clubs, though, are taking a local rule, though, and just going lateral the fairway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, anything to speed up play, I am like a huge fan of. So yeah, I mean, definitely pin in when I'm 30 feet away. Like I don't want, you know, uh, me and my husband out playing just the two of us, like no need to, you know, tend that or anything. And that's kind of how people were playing anyways. A lot of this stuff really just tried to conform to the way the casual golfer was so true. already playing. So true. Well, um, I like, I, yeah. I like. I like all the rules that uh, actually I do. I like all the rules they implemented, but there's a couple, especially one that I'm like, well, you never enforced it in the first place. And now you're lowering the time. It's the, it's the uh, rule on uh, how long you have to look for your ball. So oh, three minutes five minutes, now. five to three, but no one ever followed the five. And now we're supposed to follow the three. I actually was today had to say, Hey guys, the new rule is three minutes and they'd already <laughs> been looking for it for six or seven. 
Like, yeah. yeah. So how do you, I mean, that, that one, I, I want to know, like, what is your opinion of that rule? And would you be the person if you were out there in an official way, which you kind of are official with your role? Like, how, how do you enforce that? Like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's when there's no rules official present, you're right. Like really hard to enforce. Um, you know, some honor system with that. If I'm rules officiating, I'm working a tournament or any of us are working an event um, and we come up on a player, I mean, like I'll officially start the clock right away and I will enforce it and I'll give kind of like a warning countdown. You know, you have 30 seconds left. Um, so if you're officiating, you're you're definitely enforcing it. You're not just, you know, um, kind of letting things play out you I'm starting the clock and I'm making sure you know we stay within three minutes I actually haven't officiated yet since it's been in the three minute rule but when it was five minutes but yeah you're right I mean if if you're out just playing with friends or just a league or the the pickup game yeah I mean it's kind of just the honor system I don't know of any time I've been out playing casually and started a clock on myself so well, yeah. my issue with like a lost ball as well, and it's always been an issue of mine, is that um, if you compare ourselves to the pro game, and I get it, if Tiger's looking in some swamp for three minutes because you know he hit it wherever he did, well, guess what? He also has fifty of his closest fans looking <laughs> yeah. for that ball for him 50. too, 50? at least. 50 that got hit by the like <laughs> right. got a hit by the ball. Right. I'm just, yeah. so my point is is that like for for the everyday Joe that yeah, I hooked it around a tree and I think it went kind of into the woods a little bit or wherever it is and I'm still trying to look for that sucker. I might need an extra minute or two to look at it because I don't have 50 people helping me try to find it. I, I, and I agree with that. And I do agree with that part, but I think that has to be something established before the round if it's some yeah. type of official tournament. And also what else is like a problem with that too with the time is like plugs so if you see like a ball that's like in play you oh, know it's, it's in play so you know it's in play and it just got plugged and sometimes those can be really difficult to yeah. find so i i think that has to be something that the officials or your club pro has to agree to and autumn you can jump in there we'd like to hear your thought on that or your opinion but it's it that there's there's some parts that are difficult but i do I mean, I mean, Mark and I are, we're both fast players. Like, yeah. Our routines aren't super fast, but we're always ready to play. Like if you give us, you know, we go out and walk and Chatham's not an easy course to walk. You know, you and we I can, can do it in three and a half hours, three, yeah, three, three, and, three and, and a half easily. Yeah. So we're proponents of fast play, but we also want to make it fair. Right. Yeah, I no, I mean, there's nothing worse than hitting it down the middle and losing your ball um, or like hitting it just offline in the rough and, and losing a ball. I mean, that's um, that's brutal for sure. So, fall yeah, golf I mean, the leaves. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, fall <laughs> off in the leaves. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's just, you know, the casual. Romper, it, yeah, like I mean, yeah, there's just. You know, anything to speed up play is the way to go, in my opinion. I actually, one of the rules that I, I mean, the the dropping from the knee, I would assume just go down even lower and let's just place it. <laughs> like, let's just place it. We don't have to worry about it rolling outside of the designated area. We, just, we get a lie and we go on with life. 
I'm, so. I'm fine with that. Or I'm, I would be fine with anything above the knee versus at the knee. Meaning if I, so what, if I drop one at the waist, if I drop one at the shoulder, if I drop one in the knee, it's just got it, whatever. Like why? Yeah. Why not, a de- be, not a set area. Why does it yeah. have to be at the knee? Like yeah, we used to I have to drive it or drop it from the shoulder. Like, well, why does it, why can't it be anywhere from knee or above? Okay, fine. What would you guys think of not having a, a white stake anymore? No OB, just all laterals. I, I, th- Oof. Or yellows. What do you think? Yeah, I, I just want. I mean, I, <laughs> autumn. Okay, I, first go I, on that one. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would just, like I said, anything to speed up play. So, um, essentially, what the triangulate rules kind of done. It gives you the, the yeah. bonus penalty, though, of like you got to take your extra stroke, like the stroke and distance. But autumn, autumn's correct. Like if you actually like read the rules on how the the OB works it's not like triangulation like if you i know it's so confusing like if they went over if they went like out of bounds like over a green you hit a shot it's it's so confusing how where you're supposed to put the ball yeah that is the reason actually that ruling the ob over the green is the exact reason why we just we are not we can't even implement it in our tournaments it's not even it's too much of a a headache or you know yeah because you got to drop in the fairway yeah. um yeah. that like in front though no further just take right the stroke and distance yeah yeah Makes no sense. that that reason right there though is why we why we're not implementing that in tournaments well i think that was so. a good start to our conversation we got into a little rules broke the ice that was uh some good news yeah. news it was newsworthy um and very <laughs> interesting to get the perspective of somebody that's obviously more of the ambassador of the game here in Indiana and, and does work with like rules and things like that and interesting decisions there. Um, I would like, I'd like to roll into a little bit more about, you know, what you're currently doing. A little Q and a, yeah, kind of a little, uh, Q and a, and we can get long winded and you never know. John, John always has like other <laughs> crazy questions. He'll probably throw out too, but, um, yeah, let's do it. I gave you like the quick, um, you know, bio on you, but, once you give everybody just kind of a little bit more background on, you know, your got like what got you into the game? How'd you grow up playing golf? And, you know, kind of just to give us a little timeline progression on you and golf. Yeah. So for me, I, I started at a young age, just going to the driving range, um, with my dad, wasn't taking it too seriously. He was, um, doing other sports and other things. Um, but then in eighth grade, um, started playing on the team. So like you mentioned in the intro, played for Hamilton Southeastern, um, played through high school, started taking it way more seriously, um, ended up being recruited, got to play in college. Um, and then as far as, you know, Indiana golf and everything we have to offer, I've pretty much experienced all that programming. So played on the summer junior tour, played in the women's events, the AM and the open in the summer when I was in college, um, went to our camp Gongaware, um, the Gongaware golf Academy down in Franklin. So, um, was always really familiar with, you know, where I'm working now, Indiana golf played in all of their stuff. So, um, post college golf for me is, you know, my husband and I, we, 
uh, belong to Purgatory in Noblesville. Um, we play, you know, when we can. We're definitely into other activities, but um, we do we do play when we can. And you know, with my job, there's definitely golf here and there, and um, the perks of that. But um, definitely just kind of fit into that casual golfer mode at this point. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my background with with the game. Um, yeah, it's gotten me a lot of cool opportunities and um, really fortunate to stay with golf uh, via my career and just being in the business that way. When did you start your position? I started, so my current position, um, I started uh, the, a couple, two years ago this October so about a year and a half I've been in this role as assistant executive director um, but I started with uh, Indiana Golf in 2015. When did you graduate from Ball State? I graduated undergrad in 2013 and with my master's in 2015 so I actually started with Indiana Golf as an intern, um, which fulfilled like a requirement for my master's program. Um, they have a boat right internship, which is a grant provided through the USGA, um, and it's nine months long. And partway through that, I actually took a full-time role with the office, and I've definitely dabbled in different uh, roles and, and jobs there. Um, but then there was, yeah, an opportunity about a year and a half ago to um, be the assistant executive director uh, under Mike David, and he's been our executive director for, I think, like almost 29 years now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so it's fun. He, so we always laugh. He got the, uh, I think it was he became the executive director three months before I was born. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. He's been there for a little bit. <laughs> he's been hanging out for a little bit. Well, I think you know the the state of of golf is is always kind of you know ebbing and flowing, and um, you belong to one of the finest uh, golf courses in Indiana. And most challenging. John has never played play though. What? Well, so, right. I mean, here's I mean, my background though is not golf. So I grew up in southern Indiana in Newburgh, outside Evansville. I went okay. to Castle. I went to Castle. I played soccer and other sports. And I moved to St. Louis um when I was twenty three. Lived over there for fourteen, fifteen years, and um I picked up the game in St. Louis. I, I mean, I really I guess didn't. you've only been lived here basically three years. Yeah, so I, I guess it shouldn't surprise me that you've never played no. uh, like most of the courses. But I have there. played like Victoria. Yeah. And oh, I well, still, that's the number one bucket list, I think. <laughs> that one, that's my favorite in Indiana. Yes, he, he hasn't played French Lick, though. I haven't yeah. played French oh, Lick. Okay. That's number two for me, yeah. at least. Um, what I would consider number two. But yeah. in St. Louis, I played uh, I played Belle Reve. Um, I played um, St. Albans. Is, oh, and I played uh, Boone Valley, which is the number one course in Missouri. Yeah. It, it is. It, have you ever played it? Nope. It is. An, it is an incredible golf course. I mean, St. Louis is just a different type of topography. It's it, it's different, and plus the they have a mix over there. They'll have mainly Zoiza, but some of the clubs will have bent, and the bent over there is different. It's just. It's a little like firmer, um, a little different, but 
the courses over there are fantastic. But what I always tell Mark when I when we came back here and I started to play some other courses, like, and I tell other people that are from here and lived here their whole lives, like, people here are spoiled. Like, you literally, you have <laughs> the best golf course designer in the world. Yeah. In the world that lives in like yep. 10 minutes from our house. Have you played the fort? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great golf course. Yep. There's not public golf courses like that in many uh, places. We gotta go out and play Purgatory this year. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. So let Autumn, me know. <laughs> Autumn and her husband, let's go play. Yeah, we might have yeah, to do that. Yeah, definitely. We have to do a. Uh, what's your husband's name? Sorry. Yeah, his name's Todd. Todd. Uh, so yeah, we're. What's gonna... Todd? What's what's Todd's um, what's Todd's index? Yeah, what's so, like me, he needs to do a better job of officially posting our scores. Um, but he he is well, it's it's tough because like Purgatory is his like he grew up playing it. We both worked there when we were younger. But he is a seven low seventies golfer at Purgatory. And then he leaves Purgatory and he is a more upper 70s might throw in a low 80s but he has purgatory down pat <laughs> which purgatory is very frustrating for very me very challenging well it i mean so he he probably carries a fairly low handicap if he's scoring well at purgatory so you're telling me his handicap does not travel well <laughs> uh, i you know i mean that's let's just hope he doesn't listen to the podcast, I guess, but, <laughs> but that would awesome. be, that would be my opinion. I'm I totally going to look him up he, on LinkedIn. He's a fan of podcasts too. So I have a feeling he might stumble upon this. Sure. Did you tell him you're doing the interview? I did. I did. There you go. He's gonna listen. I'll probably have to tell him, you know, where to look him up. Shout out to Todd. About minute 28 <laughs> to 30, somewhere in there. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Todd. Has he for... played Chatham? He hasn't. Um, I need to get him out there. Um, he Maybe would, we should he would really have... like it. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a swap. A little trade. <laughs> yeah. That'd be we good. could make so... we could make it a tournament too. We could yeah. get as competitive <laughs> as you guys want. Hey, trust. Oh, John's not competitive at all. Not zero. Zero competitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so, so I guess as the assistant executive director of Indiana, what, what all are you responsible for covering in like, let's just say a, a given year, I mean, obviously there's a ton of events, there's rules, things we talked about. What would you say are your primary responsibilities? Yeah. So, um, we kind of did a restructure, um, when I got this role and, my role is to handle day-to-day operations, anything internal for our staff of, I think we have 12 full-time employees, um, with the idea that Mike, our executive director, is handling more that external role, um, uh, you know, public relations, sponsorships, um, kind of like the face of it outside of the building. So um, I see, yeah, just the day-to-day operations of what we've got going on, um, especially internally, um, like, like that HR role for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but my primary focus is um, the foundation, so the Indiana Golf Foundation and our initiatives under that, um, our fundraising uh for sure, oversee all that's going on in that area. Uh, we have a board of directors for the foundation. I work very closely with them. Um, so, yeah, really primarily focused on fundraising, but I definitely 
kind of have a hand in a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, fundraising and just all those programs under the foundation that we've got going on from the junior tour to the first tee of Indiana. Um, we have a scholarship program, which is pretty cool to give some college um, tuition assistance. So yeah, a lot going on. So the, are those the primary things that the foundation is, is you know, kind of going after, I guess, is, you know, these scholarships and the junior tour and the first tee and things like that. Is there anything else that the foundation is trying to, you know, put together or organize? No, that about sums it up. And sure. honestly, since the first tee came under our umbrella in 2012, that has been really um, the focus for us from a fundraising standpoint. About 90% at this point, maybe even a little bit more of our fundraising efforts are for that program. We are a statewide chapter with 18 communities um, with their own volunteer committees. Um, so it's it's definitely a lot. It has grown so much since 2012. Um, so we we have a huge focus on that. There's probably out of the 12 full-time staff members, seven employees do something with the first T program on a daily oh, wow. basis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. Do does does is there something you're involved with called PGA community outreach? Does that is that here? Because I was a part of or not a part of it, but I supported that in St. Louis. Ozzy Smith was actually the president. The he was a I don't know. You heard Ozzy Smith, Cardinals um, baseball player. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're you talking golf, you right? You weren't. Yeah. You weren't. So you weren't born. Quiz me on other sports. You weren't born when he played baseball. Well, don't worry well, about got, it. He's so he's <laughs> the best shortstop of all time. Thirteen gold gloves. <laughs> so he's like in St. Louis. He's a big deal, but he. So I should know him. He chaired. Uh, no, no. I mean, because Indianapolis is not a baseball, baseball maybe, town, but but, yeah. but you know he's in the Hall of Fame. But John and he, I are old. He's a. You, he's you keep a, listing the accolades, like, and I'm getting the I'm getting the hint that I should know him. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's I, in the Hall of Fame. He's the best of all time. He, he's pretty good. You, Mark is not a Cardinals fan, but he, uh, yeah, he would I, probably agree. Ozzy Smith's the best shortstop <laughs> defense-wise. Yeah, great. Not, not the best hitter, but good defense. Yeah. So he did this uh, really cool thing with PGA community outreach, and he would put on these charity events every year. It was super cool. Like the first year that I went to it. Um, he has a, 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 a an auction um, with all kinds of uh, cool things there. One would be you know play with him the next day in the uh, the scramble, um, and the um, the other one would be he bring in a celebrity every year. And the first year that I did it, and I think it was the second year of the event, um, he brought in Bo Jackson, which. I don't. I mean, you probably. I don't know if you've heard she of Bo Jackson. Have Bo you heard of Bo okay, Jackson? I have heard of Bo Jackson, but to be honest, like the name is ringing a bell, and oh. I'm a little embarrassed this to say. So awesome. No, this is so, so great. This is good. I love but, that. But Bo Jackson guy is literally is one of the most tell you he, stories of stuff. He's that like about about sports players that were, you weren't even born when they were like but in he, their prime. So, but it was great. He'd raise money for so like inner city St. Louis kids and community and he they actually they opened up a, a nine hole golf course so it was oh, that pretty cool what, yeah, yeah. What, what they what you know what they do and i think i'm going to go back and possibly do it this in the next 
year or so, but every year he brings in like a celebrity and then his, his auction giveaways are great. They're fantastic. So it was yes. cool. Um, so it's called PGA community. I think it's called Com- PGA community outreach. I, um, I, is it through like the P like a program of the PGA of America? I'm trying to think. possibly, I, you know, Might again, be. I'm not you know, like, we we're not professional golf like followers and I'm, we're not very specific on certain things. So <laughs> I, I don't know for sure, but I know our pro at, I belong to a club called wing Haven, um, in St. Louis. And it was actually in O'Fallon, Missouri, our pro who actually went to the university of Evansville and played golf there. His name's Nathan Carnes. He's the president of that PGA chapter, whatever that means. In okay. The, in St. Louis. Um, you know, he helped facilitated that, but it's something through the PGA. Okay. So. Yeah. I'd, I'll have to look into that. Um, to my knowledge, I haven't heard like that terminology PGA community. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have a, a, a lot of initiatives going on. I'll have to look into that, though. It, it kind of um, spins into my the question that I had a little bit is, how do you think the, you know, Indiana golf uh, compares to other states as far as, you know, your organization, um, the way that obviously these type of charity things and causes that you guys are trying to support? How do you guys think you compare across the country to other states? Yeah, so we are interesting in the fact that, you know, um, so the Indiana Golf Association is like the the state office, you know, of the USGA and allied golf association of the USGA. And then we're also the Indiana section PGA, which is the state office of the PGA of America. And usually uh, across the country, those offices are separated um, and regional based. And we are unique. Um, there's only a couple other like us. You where... have a big deal. Yeah, we, we are a very big deal. Well, that's maybe um, why you, like in Missouri, they have a totally separate PGA yeah, it is group separate. Yeah. Versus, and, and, you know, Golf Association of Missouri or whatever. Yeah, it's really unique in the fact that we are under one roof. We also have the foundation. We also have the Women's Golf Association. So we're unique in that way that our borders are, you know, the state of Indiana. We're not, you know chapter regional based so we're the state of indiana with all those organizations um and we're all under one roof so a lot of times you'll have you know obviously two executive directors or you'll have two tournament directors and it's nice to be able to share resources we don't have to worry about those tournaments that um shouldn't overlap each other because you know a pro-am versus an amateur event versus the open that has both um pros and ams so it's it's nice to be able to share resources in that way um not all states have foundations like we do and the initiatives that we have um and then when it comes to the first tee we're unique in the fact that we're statewide chapter so really not that i'm biased but indiana has a really nice setup um when it comes to that and um just the the fact alone that we are just under you know one roof um we're allowed to do a lot more so in order you know instead of picking one initiative we can kind of like do it all you know drive chip and pot pga junior league the pga hope program for veterans um so we we really try and take on 
you know, all those initiatives that are offered from, you know, the PGA of America and the USGA. So definitely unique in that way. You guys, um, you guys yeah. oversee the, the high, the high school, the Indian high school association, or what is IH? I, oh, I cannot. It's so hard. I and I don't think, and, and Mark shakes his head no, and I don't think you do, but no, we don't. We we help, which I wish um, you would. State, <laughs> <laughs> we help with their state tournament. We've always played a role in the rules officiating and the tournament operations of the state tournament for the boys and girls. But um, no, we we work very closely with them. We actually just um, came out with a very cool pace of play video. Um, it's, I think, like 20 minutes long, and it's now going to be required for every high school golfer to watch that video, and I think take Can a Can you test. send it to me? Can you uh, send it to me? Yeah. Like, like I will, text I will it to Mark, he'll send it to me. Yeah, I'm in the I, I really want to so. see it. You know what? We'll probably post it at our club, too. <laughs> yeah, um, so we... Yeah, are just promoting pace of play. So we we worked closely with them on that. They helped collaborate with us on that video. Um, Ted Bishop down at the Legends course, he was um, like instrumental. I think he may have gotten it started or and approached the organizations about it. So it's really cool. It's it's hopefully going to help bring awareness to all those kids that play extremely slow. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pause here, and this is gonna wrap up part one of uh, this episode twenty seven, and we're gonna get into part two here in just a minute. <laughs> 